bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios, Sidetracked with Armstead and Poosh. Brought to you by the Second Baptist Bar and Grill, your exorcism specialist. Tonight on Sidetracked, we consume a lot of alcohol. We get to the news, covering the latest in the political front with the EPA and their attack on motorsports, and then it's round number two of Hookers and Blow series with Ed and Scott Schubert from UNS Motorsports, where they get us down and dirty with the injected side of alcohol while being natural aspirated. Stay tuned. Have you been injured or think you've been injured? Contact the law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Auto accident, medical malpractice, slip and fall, dog bite, asbestos, your boss is a jerk. Nothing worth reading in the paper? Some swamp gas bent the sun's rays and erased your mind? Sit down with our friendly professional staff for a free confidential consultation and cross-examination. Seriously, how can be downright mean? Let the law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe decide who should pay and how much. It could even be you. No, it'll definitely be you. The law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Call 888-555-1234 or online at www.sidetrackpulling.com. That's 888-555-1234 or www.sidetrackpulling.com. Dewey, Screwham, and Howe are not officially licensed attorneys and are obnoxious subsidiary of Sidetrack LLC. No guarantees implied, not available in any areas. Lots of restrictions will apply. Celebrity voice impersonated. Paid for by Ricky Bobby for Congress. We're back. Another week of sidetracked. So many weeks we've lost count, we don't even tell you anymore what week it is. I can't count that high. Anyway, so what are we worried about? Yeah, you lost a few digits along the way. Some were eaten by a snowblower. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> hey, it's a good day for me, though. You had to bring up crap like that. Yeah, well, happy birthday, jackass. Thank you. <laughs> I don't feel any smarter. They say as you get older, you get wiser. I I still no, drink just, just as be- much beer and you do dumb shit. You just become more blissfully ignorant, that's all. <laughs> I think all it is is you don't remember the dumb shit you do. And with that, let me... Uh... <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> you can... Uh... Take from the ice clinking in glasses that two of us, anyway, are on considerably higher tests than Budweiser tonight. And we got one on Bud. We got our uh, guest in studio, Ed Schubert, drinking Bud Light with us tonight. So, Jason Schultz, we got somebody drinking your water. <laughs> As you're a guest, I will uh, refrain from playing the traditional drop for Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Drob's in studio. That's right. Yeah, well, Next week. Drob gets smacked with it. You might yeah. get a break that week. <laughs> yeah. Well, but do, you, do you want to get that over with too? Since we're you know, since we're so early in the show. Yeah, might as well get one of them in. It's going to be played multiple times. Yeah. Okay. Here right, we go. Fine. Just for you, Ray. Is this, this true? Two, yeah. Thank you. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Good. <laughs> Glad we're done with that. So, what are we going to talk about this week? On my birthday, what do I want? <coughs> I want hookers and blow. That's what we're going to get. Holy cow! No way. Oh, you, you're, you're, that dramatic pause was, you're waiting for me to like, you know, start dicing out the line with a razor blade here on the table? I brought the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that goes on the ceiling. How many times I got to tell you? <laughs> and with that, sidetracked off the rails gets his new start. <laughs> but no, uh, got Ed Schubert in studio. We're going to be calling his uh, son, Scott, the 
masterminds behind ENS Motorsports and that awesome Oliver. We've given you guys teaser videos of uh, about two weeks ago now. So, beer. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday. You drank a lot. My compliments to the chef. Uh, it's my birthday and... Yeah, I might be uh, getting there. It's a good thing Drew doesn't have a rant tonight. I Yet. do have it, one. It'd be more like a slur. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been asked to refrain on it for a little bit. So, by who and who who wields such influence over you? Right. All of a sudden, that you're going to clam up because I like train wrecks. I'm not sure I understand that illusion, but you'll understand. <laughs> Fair enough. Who does? Because. Uh, yeah, it could be even better of a rant in a little bit. So we'll leave it at that. But uh, Got me curious. Oh, it, it'll be good. Don't worry. I'll fill you in when we're on break because I can't say everything over the microphone. Don't say anything more. Exactly. So news, 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 news. <laughs> in your best Walter yeah. Cronkite, what do we have this week? Wow, we've got an early 90s news intro now. This is awesome. Right? Kind of hoping for 50s-style teletype going off in the background, but to fix that for next time. You know my work is just never appreciated. <laughs> no, I love it. That, that, we found our new permanent uh, run-in drop for the news. Details at 11. <laughs> That's beers, not o'clock. Don't worry. Yeah. It's at 11. Yeah, details at 11 beers. Uh-huh. I think those details will be a little sketchy. So as soon as Drew opens that next one? Wait, wait, wait for it. I am empty. <sighs> you know what? That's gone on air two other times this week on Pulling Radio Network. It indeed has. Once on the roundtable discussion for when we finished up announcements. Which is being rebroadcast last night. Yep, it was being rebroadcast. It'll be rebroadcast again uh this Saturday, so those of you who missed out on our roundtable discussion, I mean, that was just awesome, a blast. Thanks to the godfather, Eric Pruitt, under the weather, coming in and moderating. Uh, Ray Taluki was on from the full poll. Kenny Eagleston with It's About Men and the Pollcast. And then uh, us two. Idiots. From Sidetracks. So make sure you tune in this Saturday and give that a listen to. I'm pulling Radio Network. As always, all our shows can be found also on SoundCloud. At least the ones that aren't done on Sidetrack, because Sidetrack can get them on SoundCloud or at SidetrackPulling.com. Exactly. So I have no idea where we're going, but oh, yes. So yesterday, we got to tell them it's news, it's major news. What did we do last night? We confirmed an unsubstantiated rumor. That we can hack a show? Yeah, that well, that too. We did that as well, didn't we? Yeah, that's kind of where I was took going. Over. Oh, I, I thought you were you talking were about the other thing, the, oh. the sale. But Yes, no, no, no. That came through. But yes, we took over the uh, full poll with uh, Adam and Ray. Yeah, yeah. Those guys in New York. You know. Adam didn't say much when we did that. He did ask about my Snapchat. He did ask that about that. That never should have gone over airways. No. We don't no. need to encourage you over. Already, in my your already overinflated ego has had enough. <laughs> <laughs> what goes on in my side uh, in my Snapchat does not get publicized. 
Keep it clean, please. Except all you've got to do is create a Snapchat account for yourself and look up for Farmer06, and you can no, see the... Farmer underscore 2006. Oh, and oh you changed it. it so. Okay. You can find out for yourself what a train wreck that is. Morning advice. What in the hell are you talking about? What's Snapchat, anyway? I don't know. You deleted it off. Damn right I did. What a waste of time that was. No, it isn't. Right up there with Twitter. It's like Twitter no. with cameras. No, no Twitter's worse. Yeah, better. Twitter's stupid, man. So, news, news, news. <coughs> what do we got? Mm. You heard it to break over sidetracked last week with Evan Booms. Yeah. And it has been confirmed. Sale of a truck out of the TTPA 2.5 diesel class. Kevin Dukoski's Duramax is no longer residing in Ruth, Michigan. Nope. Truck went up to Petoskey being bought by Walt Scheiman. And will be running the MTTPA circuit and thumb also so uh looking forward to That's seeing Walt at least we'll get to there. see the truck too yeah, yeah no it was great it didn't go out of state and Walt's a very very staunch competitor <clears throat> with some of the meanest um street legal diesels i'll call it because i refuse to use that term that some people like to refer them as you can say it i ain't saying no it. i'm not saying it I, I heard you say it when i was walking up the driveway and about cussed you out <laughs> <laughs> it starts with a w and rhymes with work stock <laughs> <laughs> so with that what else we got in the news something we've been following on this show the last several actually goes back probably a couple of months now is the epa proposed re- regulations that we're going to go after modified vehicles and their auto and their parts and really, it was going to potentially, if it passed, put a major, major dent in participation in motorsports. The EPA did uh, come out this week and clarify. Actually, it was last week. I, I've been sitting on this for a week now. They clarified the language in the proposed legislation. They are not coming after your track-ready vehicles. So if you're not driving it on the street, you got nothing to worry about. You uh, converted your Miata to run in spec Miata with SECA, you, what have you, whatever it is. If it's off-road all the time, never touches the street. You've got nothing to worry about. If it does touch the street, you'll be subjected to the same sort of emission standards at the state and federal level. You would be anyhow. Um, there's probably still some uh, gray area to be fulfilled there between the aftermarket parts producers for streetcars. Um, I know a lot of those suppliers like to get around the the any sort of legislation on that front. Off with the, road only. Yeah, they use the not intended for street use language, which I'm sorry if you've got a decent enough attorney can be beaten anywhere in a court of law, but. Yeah, for now, the EPA has come out and gone on record. No, we're not coming after your race cars, so we'll probably have to keep our eyes on this one. But for now, we've been uh, given a stay of execution, I guess, if you will. I know I saw this come across my news feed, and a lot of people were getting anxious on it just because they were uneducated in what the terms and what what the actual legislation was reading. Which, you know what, I'm going to go on a little social media rant. Just for the reason is... If you're going to post something that says it's a fact, it better not be Abe Lincoln quoting something that came out of Tupac's mouth. Because guess what? It isn't true. Read what you're posting, especially when it comes to laws, legislations, you know, lost dog, or this kid's been missing for so long. Why don't you click on the damn post and see if the damn kid's been found or the dog's been found? You mean I can't figure out how to vote from just looking at memes all day? (laughs) I think you're better off in this this election anyways, but that's beside the point. But do a little research before you start trying to post quote-unquote facts out there 
because you're just making yourself look like an idiot. And there's plenty of them out there. And I'm sorry if you think uh, being dumb's a challenge, because you guys are taking it to whole new levels. So with that, I'm happy now. I had a rant on my birthday. Mini, mini rant. He feels better. Look how loud I have to yell! If you want to jump in, Ed, please just jump in at any point in time. Once he drops a deuce in the studio turlet, he'll be golden for the rest of the night. I would, but you were scaring me there. I was going to ask you, how do you really feel about this? <laughs> well, in that case, Sidetrack is going to postpone Ogres and Blow for a week. And... Here we go. Get that computer off the table before you decide to flip it over Hulk style. I ain't going to do that. The pizza's right here, and I got two beers sitting here. What do you think? I do have. I think you're too sober. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my little mini rant. Anything else in the news? Uh, no, other than no. our usual uh, births and deaths. Yes, obituaries. None. None. Thank goodness. Oh no, not true. Oh, no, not true. Not true. Yes, um, you did tell me of one. We did have one. We I found out about this morning. Um, uh, thoughts and prayers to NTPA general manager Greg Randall on the passing yes. of his mother late last night. Uh, she had fallen at the house about a week or so ago and had been in very serious declining health at a hospital. And uh, unfortunately, fortunately, Greg and his father did get to spend some real quality time with her yesterday and, and had some, sounds like some good conversations and, and remembrances and things like that. So they did get, I, I won't call it their little piece of closure, but... You know, they got something. They got something which a lot of people don't. don't. And and thoughts and prayers to the to Greg and and the Randall family on on the passing uh, of her uh, late last night. So as always, and I apologize for the time continuum problem. We record this on Wednesday nights, and we're supposed to be saying this on Thursday. But when it's serious like that, I forget to advance my thoughts a day. Um, You know, you know where we're you know where we're going. Anyways, you know what we mean. But anyhow. So, as always, if there's somebody involved with the sport, we always talk about the family of the sport. And uh, I know Ed can definitely agree with that. This is a family when you get out there in the polling world. So, if there's somebody near and dear to you involved in your polo club or neighbor down the road who's always pulled this little farm LM or John Deere at the local county fair, and you feel, you know, he influenced the sport, get a hold of us. AP at SidetrackPolling.com. Sidetracked with Armstead and Poche on Facebook. We'll answer your message right away. I know we've got some, uh, you know, people messaging us all the time about different things and that. But get a hold of us. Give us a little piece about them. And uh, make sure they get their 15 minutes of fame. You know, they're due uh, time in the spotlight because, you know what, it doesn't matter how minute the club is. They have influenced somebody pulling in somebody's life in one way or another. And honestly, probably affected the greater sport of pulling, you know, just with something they did. So we want to make sure they get their due time. So once again, AP at SidetrackPulling.com or Sidetrack with Armstead and Posh. Just shoot us a message. Let us know a little bit about them. So with that, birthdays, birthdays, birthdays. Yeah. What do we got? I know we got a special request. Yeah, we do have one. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that uh, young lady well, in a moment. Actually, that would be the first birthday due up. Is it? Oh, uh, yeah, it is. It is today. The show day of the show Thursday. Thursday, yeah. So it would be April twenty eighth. One of our youngest fans and a consistent listener, I am told by one of our past guests here on the show, yes. Mr. At- Charlie Capozzo's daughter Taylor. 
eight years old. Happy birthday to you, Happy Taylor. Happy birthday, Taylor. Happy I birthday, Taylor. I can't believe you're eight years old, I'm just going to say, because okay. I remember when you were just a football we could carry around. Right? Well, think about it. When we were started with pulling with the Capozos, I don't even think Charlie and Barb were married. Um, if they were, it was just nicely. I, I want to say, yeah, they had. I th- yeah, I think I did know know Charlie before before they were married. Yeah, yeah, because that I'm, was fifteen known, years ago. Yeah, I've known Charlie <laughs> since. Yeah, I've known, well, I think I've known Charlie actually since the late nineties, even. So let's see what else we got coming up. Same day, we've got Nicole Storm of the Storm family here in the TTPA. I don't I don't have her on Facebook. Something oh. must happen there. Happy so. birthday to you! Oh yes, I do have her right here. Sorry, Nicole. And on Friday, tomorrow. Mr. Dave Feldkamp, turning 60. The rum runner. The rum runner himself. We got another one on that day as well. <coughs> yep. And Mr. Shad Reidner. Yep. Hailing out of Ohio. Trying to remember if Shad's the one out of Bowling Green or not. I can't remember. Uh, I think he might be. I don't know. Him and Tom were about ready to take my head off at Mason. I kept confusing the two. Well, if they would have stopped standing <coughs> in the door while you saw it was a silhouette blanketed by the sun... No kidding. Right? So, happy birthday to Shad. We keep rolling here. Let's see. I don't know if you have the same one as me, but next one I have is Monday. No, I do have one on Sunday. Proprietor of D&J Precision Machine, Drew Pumphreys, 33. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, Monday. May 2nd. I can't believe it's May 2nd. Really? Yeah. Mrs. Karen Forbes. Yeah. Secretary of the TTPA yes, and driver the of the Twisted, Twisted Sister. Sister. Super stock four-wheel drive. So happy birthday to her. And Wednesday is the next one I have. I think it's the same guy. Mr. Jeff Smoglinski. Yeah. And I'm going to call you out. 47 years old. So happy birthday, Jeff. And that's it. I got that's all, all I, I got. have. That's all I got, too. Yeah. So... Like with the obituaries, if you got somebody whose birthday you want recognized, like Charlie Capozo getting a hold of us, AP at sidetrackpulling.com, sidetrack with Armstead and Posh on Facebook, get a hold of us, let us know. We want to make sure everybody gets their happy birthdays in. And I do have to apologize, Charles. Last week, we forgot one. Oh. You? No. Oh. And it was the day we recorded. Mr. Andy Schroeder. Oh, how in the world the did we miss inventor that? inventor of the porter stool. It was not on Facebook. Well, there you go. And he, I talked to him just before the show, and he reminded me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to make sure I put that on there. And I forgot, and he called me out on it the next day when he listened to the show. So, Andy, <coughs> I apologize. Happy birthday. And I don't know how public the news is, but I don't care because you told me, and you know I do a podcast same day. He found out he was going to be a dad for the second time. I didn't know that, so congrats, dude. So congrats, Andy. Uh, guy who's been very, very uh, helpful with the show and uh, been a very big proponent of Sidetracked and uh, yeah. ever strong fan of ours. So happy ber- birthday to him, belated, and congrats, buddy. And uh, apologize for forgetting last week. Maybe you can, if you feel like it, you can fire me. I won't sell the pulling hitches anymore. I mean... <laughs> but no, uh, he's proprietor of Pedal of Metal Customs, so 
you'll hear more about them in coming shows. So. And he's a guy who doesn't have his birthday on Facebook correctly. Right. Smarty Pants like my brother. His Facebook says he was born in 1931 on January 25th. Really? And every January 25th, he gets all these happy birthdays. It's not my birthday. It's kind of... <laughs> you'd have to understand. <laughs> He's weird. You, you can't really be mad at people for that. So we... It's the feigned anger that's the funnier part. True. You know what? I just realized... gets, you, know what, you know when he gets sincerely angry is when I chime in, I'm like, yeah, it's really not his birthday. Don't you say. <laughs> <laughs> so we did forget a little bit of the news. Mm. Yeah, we did. How old are you, Andrew? Did I'm you 28. Oh, okay. Get close to the mic there, Ed. Don't be All afraid. There we right. go. Well, earlier he couldn't count to 15, but now he can count to 28. <laughs> That's what I was told I was, so. Okay. But no. Uh... Are you sure you don't play basketball for a team in Windsor? <laughs> that was a classy one. Oh, my God. So, for those of you not around the metropolitan Detroit area, of course, Windsor's right across the river, from Detroit River from... Uh, Detroit, and <laughs> go figure. Go figure. Wow, that was deep. There is a local Smart Catholic academy who one of their players, basketball players, got busted for being a thirty-six-year-old junior. Thirty-six-year-old junior in high school playing basketball, and oh, you I... look at the guy; he's graying and has a receding hairline. And he maintains he thought he, he he didn't know how old he really was, but I think you'd remember a couple of those trips around the sun. <laughs> he is, he was from Africa, uh, refugee I believe type yeah. or something like that. Which and, is true. I mean, there are plenty of people who are refugees like that, where they literally they legit don't know when they yeah, were born. But, but you don't was a you don't make fifteen years just disappear. When you're playing up against sixteen, seventeen year olds and basketball, and yeah. Your beard grows thicker than the hair on their head. There's a problem. <laughs> anyway. And you can't grow hair on your own head. There's a real problem. <laughs> you know, you're really screwed when it migrates to your ears. <laughs> and nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Damn but, it. <laughs> no. There's a new schedule that came out. Oh, yeah. Two through three. <laughs> TTPAs. Thumb Tractor Pullers has theirs out. Tentative, very US, very tentative, but go Not on there, the check it are. out. Uh, Southwestern Ontario, SWOTPA.com. Theirs is complete. Org. Theirs is out. Yep. Um, it's .com. .com, yes. And then another one that uh, the gentleman sitting across from me knows a little bit about, vaguely. A little bit. One that just came out over Pull Off and now PullOff.com and... Uh, It'll be in the Hook, um, magazine, the Hook magazine when it comes in your mailbox Brian here Lively, next week. So, light limited schedule uh, is out for the second year in a row. Yeah, 2016 Northern Light Limited schedule is is out. So, what do we got on the agenda there? I know you told me there's some stupid mm. cash going out for this. I the whole series winds up to about forty two thousand two hundred bucks for the entire thing. That's June all the way through um, the latter part of August. Yeah, which encompasses uh, the first uh, polls, set of polls is in uh, Shedden, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Shedden and Dungannon, that same weekend. And then it it goes from there. Um, We got one in Bunker Hill, Ohio, which we're really trying to push tractors into Ohio. Um, They need some help. Um, They're a little light on their tractors. 
And uh, from there, we got two great polls. Um, one of the oldest polls in existence is uh, Langford, New York. Yeah, that's, uh, I think they've been pulling there since 1946 or 47. I believe this is the 70th year for them. We believe, I've done some work on this, we yes. believe they're number one oldest continuous. Our mate is number two at 66, and I now understand that uh, Tampico, Indiana at 64 is number three. Yeah, cool. there you go. And I'm, I'm proud to say that of the whole series, two of the oldest polls, you know, are on the series. They're very successful polls and um really a good time and um they really know how to put a pull on very organized uh, very entertaining i know i've heard from many people not just you ed you told me about how awesome it was over there but a lot of different people out there saying just how amazing it is to go pull in langford because it's literally just a hole in the wall but everybody and their brother for counties around just swarm in there to go watch the yeah. pulls. i can't go this year but i'm looking forward to getting over there to see that I've never been to a poll. Last year was the first time over at, at Langford, and I've never been treated uh, like a rock star. I mean, when I came in, people were shaking my hands. Hey, we got a place for you. Um, you know, everything was, was great, not to mention that when you signed up, they handed you an envelope with money and said, thanks for coming, and this is for gas money. And yeah, like, they do pay travel money regardless. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how they do that, but it, it works. I mean, it's really, really good. I think the payout on that on that is uh, $5,000 this year. Oh, wow. Yep. That's that's awesome for And that. it was last year as well. Yep. I know we got some definite stupid money going around this year, so to speak, for uh, payouts, which is great for a non-sanctioned class. Our made another one of the... Yeah, our highlight pull, the one you're uh, putting on and been very involved with for years, but uh, yeah, one of the highest paying pulls out there for the schedule. Yeah, it's uh, well, you got to realize it's two days, Saturday night and Sunday, but um, collectively for that class, it's six thousand bucks. That that's a lot of money it for is. such a great event too. Yeah. It's it's definitely a must hit if you've never been up to Armada. You've got to come up and you got to come party with us on Saturday night, too. Saturday after. night, yeah. after the polls, <clears throat> beer tent, monkey grinder. And if you don't know what monkey grinder is, you need to really get on board. Cause, yeah. you got to come out and listen to those guys tear it up. And then when they close the tent down, we just migrate about 120 feet to the north and keep right on partying. Which would be about... Yeah. 25 feet if they actually let us go through the gates right by the beer tent. <laughs> Speaking of Armada, one of the big things that everybody is just amazed at is the size of the beer tent. Oh, God, it and is it, one of the big, biggest I've ever seen. It's one of the seen. biggest there is, period. I believe, I think I heard this story right, that they they rent, they lease that tent from a place in North Carolina. It's one of the biggest tents in existence. You could um, actually hold a small circus in that I'm, tent. I'm kind of I'm kind of sure Jerry Sprite listens to this, so drop us a note, Jerry, and let us know. Or you got yeah. me on, you got me on Facebook. Let me know for sure. I don't know, but there's a lot of people amazed at the size of that tent. Oh, it is ridiculous in size. And if you get up into town the night before on Friday, come in there too because you want to be able to do some people watching. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everything from the 
top to the bottom that's yeah just the the extremes of humanity will be on display <laughs> so how many states are we hitting with a light limited schedule this year roughly okay boy you really put me on the spot um, i know we got new york we got new york we got michigan, ohio michigan ohio. wisconsin um ontario we said new york that's that, it. That that's that pretty much yeah, covers it. it. We yep. don't have uh, Illinois this year. We do not. No, um, no that's that's not going to happen. It was at the Farm Progress show. Oh, I heard a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and uh, it, the weather was bad last year, and it it just didn't turn out real good. So that so wasn't going to happen. that's a lot a lot of states being covered. One Canadian province, and right. Right. It sounds like it's just an awesome time to go on tour with you guys. It is. I, You know, the schedule last year when it came out, I, I don't think it really caught on. People knew it was there and stuff, but, I mean, it, it didn't catch on until about halfway through, and then it just snowballed from there. But putting it together this year was, um, was easy. Everybody that was on it last year wanted to come back because they liked it. Um, we had... I don't know. We had a lot of tractors. I think Spiegelberg had just talked about the Wisconsin. There's like 28 in a session. Yeah, he did. He did. I think that's what he did. Yeah, 28 yeah. in the one and 25 in the other. Yeah, I don't really remember what um, what New York was. The number was up there. I think it was in the high 20s. Wow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Langford. Yeah, Langford got close to 30. If I if I remember something right, like that. Yeah, yeah, it did. Which is stupid numbers considering. You rule out pools like Bowling Green, Toma, Fort Recovery. A pool where you have 20 tractors in the same class is getting to be relatively unheard of out there. Anymore, yeah. yeah. Outside of an antique pool, yeah. Yeah. And like last year at Wisconsin, um, Spiegelberg's pool was, they had tractors from seven states. So that That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So... With that, we got the light limited schedule covered. No other news. Well, just to say that if you go to pulloff.com, yes. you basically can go to the forum or the for sale. Yeah. Look above and you'll see it. Basically, you'll the see some Pico, Steiner, and on top, you'll see the 2016 light limited super stock. Click on it and bang, there it is. You'll see the whole schedule. So definitely check that oh, out. Yep, there yep, there is a banner banner ad now running at the top of the forum page. So you can click on that and you'll yep. take you right to it. Absolutely check that out. Class that I know Charles and I absolutely love. Oh, adore it. I I would love to get involved with that class. To me, it's just awesome. So with that, we'll take a break and we'll come back for a round table discussion where we get into hookers and blow. Round two. Woohoo! So with that, this is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. Life Media Tech is your one-stop shop for multimedia, photography, videography, live event productions, and web systems and infrastructure design and maintenance. Life Media can handle it all. Drew and I trust Life Media to use years of experience to bring Sidetrack to you each and every week. Isn't it a time that you did the same? Serving Metro Detroit and the Blue Water area, contact Life Media directly at 810-689-4151. That's Life Media, 810-689-4151. And we're back on Sidetrack with Armstead and Posh on the Pulling Radio Network. Time for round number two of Hookers and Blow. Joining us now on the phone is Scott Schubert. And, of course, Ed Schubert here in studio with us, the two 
principals in the, can we say now defunct DNS Motorsports, to talk to us about fuel injected, aspirated pulling engines in tractors. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? Hi, and how are you, Charles? Um, I'm still sitting up straight. Great. <laughs> Scott, how are you doing this I'm night? Not good. I'm doing good. He's in a remote location somewhere down near Ford headquarters. So, <laughs> yeah. But does he have a beer? Yes. Do you have a beer with you? No, I do not. And he can't get one because no. now his phone's plugged into the wall. So, yeah. boy, is this going to be bad for you. That's okay, Scott. Your dad yeah, will have one for you. Yeah, there you go. There's yeah, perks. Have one for me. Yeah, there's perks to being in studio. <laughs> oh, boy, is there ever. This is a podcast on purpose because there's things that people shouldn't see. So, let's dive in. Where you guys kind of got your start with this sport, I mean... I know where I remember you guys coming in back with the Go Fast tractor, for those who don't know, is basically like a Division 5 NATPA tractor with a little more RPM spinning and stupidity oh, thrown to it. a lot more RPM. So, uh, Ed, I, why don't we start off with you. Where did you get your start in the sport of truck and tractor pulling? A little bit of background of your knowledge and things of that nature. Well, I don't know. It was probably about 38 years ago, um, 38, 39 years ago, when I um, started pulling 6,000 farm and I made a fair once a year. Every year I made a mistake. Every year I, the next year I came back and corrected that and made another one. And I don't know, just we wanted to get involved with tractor pulling and um, we looked uh, looked at a couple different things, and we ended up buying a 460 over in Ontario. Actually, mm, pretty close to where Doug Rustin, didn't know Doug Rustin at the time, but in that neighborhood, uh, we bought a tractor and brought and it home. They had mowed the lawn so you couldn't see them? Th correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. So that was our start, and the first year we brought the tractor home, and it left a lot to be desired. We uh, hooked up with Thumb, and um, basically in that go-fast class, there was six tractors. There was two 460s. One of them was ours. There was two 560s, and there was two 656s. So you always knew a red one was going to win, right? I'm um, not so sure that that was an entertaining class because, like I said, there was always going to be a red one that was going to win. So, um, the first year we tested the motor, um, there was some issues with it, and we just wanted to see it hold together. It was still a 221. Everyone else was running a 301, and we just went from there. Um, you know, when you buy a tractor like that and you're at ground zero, you, you know, where do you start? So, it was fixing the weak link and every week or every every time we would pull we would attempt to do something different and it just kind of snowballed from there that sound about right scott yep yep yeah that was about the mid 90s yeah you started getting involved in that yep so and, and we kind of got you know we went down to ohio for one of the central Ohio poles one spring and that's you know when we seen the tri-state guys or the guys that were 
certain Oliver's 310 Waukeshaws over to spark plug engines, taking the diesel, and that was kind of eye-opening. That was real. Airplane carburetor. Yeah, that was real eye-opening. You talked us into going down there, and I had no, I didn't want to travel, and at that time, we had done some things at a tractor. We were running a 301, and there were some things. We were getting competitive with it, um, and you talked us into going down there. And I'll never forget, we got down there to Columbus. We got in line, and we seen the first two or three pull. And I went over to you because you were sitting on the tractor, and I said, Scott, there's a side door. Let me open it wide enough, drive the tractor out, get it on the trailer. We don't belong here. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was running an airplane carburetor but us. But we did make the pull-off. We were like the 10th tractor. We were the weakest. They took the top 10, and and, um, we knew our spot. But we did respectively well for what we had. But, uh, boy, it sure opened our eyes. There was a whole lot more out there. And... um, we certainly had names and phone numbers of where to get an airplane carburetor after we came home. You know, going there yeah. is like, there's nothing more we can do. Coming home, it's like, oh, we need to get one of these. We need to do this. We need to do that. <laughs> yeah, because we were running a ZF carburetor at the time. I think it was a two and eighth inch throat on it. Yep. So with that, yeah. it spiraled into the final incarnation of the Holland Harvester, which was pure madness, so to speak. And kind of where the top NA guys in this Waukesha that we uh, showed video of and did a short interview for Beer Money with uh, you, Scott. What got you guys to that stage? Let's start with you on that, Scott. You've done a lot of engineering on this stuff. I know you both have, but I know you went and actually designed your own rockers for a motor. Yeah, it just was a progression over the years of, you know, stuff that was, you know, we we broke and learned and progressed from the 301, and then, you know, we decided we looked at the crossflow head and the 282, and that seemed pretty promising on the, the international the D282, and so it kind of progressed from there, and you know, I got hooked up with some car guys around the area that, you know, did some design work, engine building, and um, they kind of, you know, were real instrumental or at least gave me the encouragement to, hey, go design your own stuff. And so, you know, I, you know, did CAD work and did 3D modeling a little bit in college and stuff. So, um, you know, it kind of morphed into, you know, using the knowledge I learned through that, you know, to... You know, designing our own stuff. We, yeah, we design our own connecting rods and um, designing our own rockers. And the connecting rods just kind of stem from, you know, with the 301 crankcase. You know, we were trying to swing over a five-inch stroke, um, specifically a five and three-eighths, and we couldn't find the guy that was doing the crankshaft. Basically, told us, "I'm not telling you what to do," but he goes you really need to run at least the three-eighths rod bolt. And the one guy that was making rods at the time, you know, was using a 516 rod bolt. And so that kind of drove us to that direction, whether we wanted to or not, Um, you know, for 
you know, just uh, keeping the thing together and not, you know, uh, breaking a rod bolt kind of went, kind of forced us down that path of doing our own rods. And, you know, again, you couldn't do anything with Cunningham or anybody else. They didn't want to really deviate from their cap design that was overbuilt for what we wanted to do. We wanted to swing it, you know, swing, swing it, you know, around uh, the crankcase and the camshaft. So it just uh, turned into, you know, that we actually used the, um, the rods I designed were nine inch center to center and uh, 927 wrist pin in up top and two inch rod journal um, on the crankshaft. We used the billet, you know, billet crank and um, they those are ARP uh, L19 material rod bolts. <laughs> Very expensive rod bolts. <laughs> because of the size and the uniqueness, they were like, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, they were like 38 bucks a piece. Yeah, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Oh, boy. Because it was they were custom through ARP. Yeah, they were, yeah, everything. So, and then we, you know, we, you know, started once we did get the engine running and stuff you know we had aluminum set of rockers and it wasn't again a lot of this is um you know uh, uh, i guess kind of going some of the design or some of the development and just kind of a comparison you know we i run a small block ford uh mustang you know and you know 331 cubic inch v8 and you know that's um you know 41 cubic inches per cylinder and I got you know good set of AFR cylinder heads on it and it's you know they flow 300 CFM now if you take most of the tractor stuff we're dealing with is you know 70 cubic inch and well anyway 60 60 cubic inch per cylinder to you know over 100 and you know so you really do a comparison and I got a street car that's running 300 CFM cylinder head you know, really, you know, anything around 460 inch, you know, inline six, you know, you're talking 76 cubic inches per cylinder, you know, to have the equivalent of what I'm running on a street car, we need 550 CFMs, you know, CFM cylinder head, you know, to make the power of my street car. Now, of course, at the same equivalent RPMs, RPM, RPM. yeah. And stuff like that, but that's kind of just put, put things in perspective on. You know, what we're trying to do, you know, with uh, stock OEM cast iron cylinder heads, and you know how it compares to the automotive world. Yeah, I mean, you guys so, were dealing with cylinder heads, especially in the red ones. Three hundred one really quit being mass mass produced, middle to late sixties, yeah, early seventies in some of the combines, and the fifteen series combines the last time it was run. Whereas you can go get a set of heads for a 302 Ford that are made brand new yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the, I guess, the two two main factors of improving efficiency because you can't get the cylinder head out of it is camshaft, you know, a lot of lift, a lot of duration, and uh, compression ratio. That's the only way, you know, you can make up for what's lost, and that's, you know... Um, you know where we've you know found a lot of efficiencies in in these engines and that's 
you know, in order to run the lift, of course, you know, then you get into, you know, we do uh, get rid of the Babbitt cam bearings and go to a needle cam, you know, a needle roller cam bearing, um, you know, and bigger cores to, you know, bore out the block to, you know, accept the bigger, bigger cam core. And then we can get into more, more lift and duration um, and, you know, cam core that's not flexing all over the place because again you got 12 12 valves you're trying to open you know and you're driving it from the front of the crankshaft you know and all, that cam is flexing all over so obviously you want the core as big as diameter as possible in the base circle how much as of that how, how much were you able to get away with in the various engine you guys build where you could do that large diameter cam and still be able to clear what you're trying to spin off the crankshaft were you able to were you able to increase cam size or were you having to actually chop away at it no in the in the waukesha and the waukesha is a real downfall because it uses you know those um mushroom style lifters so again you're you're boring out the lifter bores um to get you know use a you know a 937 uh, key lifter you know, and you're boring them out to, I think, an inch and a sixteenth and put a put an Amco round bushing in. And, um, you know, and then, then what we do, yeah, we board. I'm not even sure what the stock Oliver was. I had some pictures of the old camshaft in in the block after we board it out, um, but we're at, uh, we're using a 50 millimeter core, you know, which is just under, under two inch on the, um, the cam bearing diameter um and then you know with the stroke to swing the rod and everything else you know we're our, our cores are you know our barrels are one inch um you know diameter is as small as that that one is and it, the international was very similar we used 50 millimeter cam bearings in that as well um you know and that's you know, again, we could have went 60. I, a lot of the automotive stuff is 60 or bigger, but um, it's still bigger than what it was, you know, as as the tractor engine. Um, so that, you know, and then we we did have we had lifter issues because we did try to run a tractor lifter. Well, it was an aftermarket roller lifter. Um, uh, from one of the tra- guys that did tractor parts stuff and we end up you know scrapping that and going to you know an automotive again the automotive stuff is God, whenever you can go to that you're just talking a lot about more uh one is it's built way lighter and it's you know it just is uh you know guys are drag racing and running circle track stuff you know weekend after weekend after weekend there's thousands of engines uh, running, you know, so the research and development is a lot more robust. Uh, if there's failures in some of those components, you're going to know about it. Um, so whenever you can run automotive stuff, it's just better, I think. You're probably um, onto something in that respect because you probably get, you know, a couple thousand guys do running a certain part, whereas really where you guys push things into, there probably isn't 20 guys on the planet doing what you guys are. No. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One thing that amazed me with these is you started off, you guys, and Ed, maybe you can fill us in on this one. You guys started out with a single barrel updraft carb that basically, 
You went and found the biggest stock venture to begin with, and yeah, I was going to ask you guys what was that. what was the what evolution was the from the from the NAR nine B through the hybrid versus the throttle body stuff you're doing now. Well, when we we took the D two eighty two and you know we kind of looked at what the guys in Ohio, Indiana were doing with the Oliver Crossflow three ten taking the diesel head and doing a cross flow and that's why we went to the 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 diesel 282 international and we said hey if they can do it we can do it we actually took a scrap head and we we cut segments and we sent it in different directions and um one of them was chuck lewis who at the time was working for tom tremolian uh down indiana and um he came back and said hey uh, we knew that if we didn't get 300 CFM of air going through the head, we knew it wasn't feasible to do. It, it just, we're not going to do it. Well, he got us, I think it was about 320, which, okay, that, that signaled us that, okay, we can be competitive. I think we can keep up with those guys. So what you're talking about with, and, and I kind of went back, you know beyond what you were saying but i was just kind of giving you some feedback when we got done building everything and building a aluminum plenum for it that would support the airflow that we needed then the big crossing was the carburetor itself um how do you put a carburetor on something that big i remember a couple of the automotive experts uh, retirees from GM I remember the expression on one of them is deer in the headlights you know look it's like you're putting an updraft carburetor on this oh why and it's like, rule book says I have to yeah, yeah, the rule book <laughs> says I have to and he goes you're on your own you're un unchartered and and really I mean how was it explained to us one of the guys that that we were dealing with was basically very argumentative and he said um you can't defy the laws of gravity fuel is not going to go up you're going to lose the vacuum and and they were right um if you knew the tractor seen the tractor there was a point of time where at an idle fuel was basically dripping out of the carburetor i did see now, that when you guys were testing it early on yeah yeah and and it, that would go away, of course, with RPMs because the vacuum, of course, increased. And we fought, we fought the carburetor for good gods. I don't know, two, three years. I mean, to the point where it's like you want to pull your hair out. I mean, it's it's crazy, because as far as the efficiency of the engine on the on the heat range, you know, we had cold cylinders, we had warm cylinders, and then at a different RPM, everything changed just the opposite and we dealt with it and dealt with it and dealt with it and we just weren't making any headway so that's a curious point so a different rpm you're noticing this dynamic change is it a is it a frequency issue or no, vacuum I, vacuum signal wavelength change something I, i'm sure that was just vacuum distribution, just distribution through the velocity through the intake right you know it changes you know through the cylinders you know um yeah, you can see on the data logger the VGTs would jump around and change. Yeah, yeah. and then from there we, uh, uh, well, we <laughs> decided that we were going to have to do something. So 
we uh, we went to Kingsler fuel injection and we ended up uh, we ended up modifying a carburetor greatly. Um, like we took the float out of the carburetor and put a barrel valve in the place of it, <laughs> and then we uh, we took two injectors and put it in the uh, Venturi and um, tried to get the fuel under pressure to uh, to work, and that did work. Um, didn't work real efficient. Uh, where we had to do it because of the design of the carburetor, it was hitting the, the butterfly when we uh, were at an idle, but when it opened up, it seemed like it worked pretty good. One year to uh, overcome that, we turned the carburetor upside down and turned the nozzles in the opposite direction. So they were under vacuum all the time. And believe it or not, as far as distribution, it really didn't help that much. Got worse actually. Yeah, it did. And I the, the butterfly, yeah, the butterfly actually helped distribute the fuel um, with the nozzles being under the butterfly. I got you. So it acted as kind of almost even a baffle and participated in the mixing a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because the butterfly, the throttle shaft was perpendicular to the engine. It wasn't like it was parallel with the engine; it was perpendicular. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, the actually out distribution and after trying to fine tune and adjust that um, it got to the point where I think you were working in Madison Heights Scott if I'm not mistaken and you went to visit Kingsler and well Jim Kingsler was quite interesting because the very first trip in there he uh, he happened to be walking by and um, you know, he's got a multitude of people working there, and they do fuel injection for all over. And he stopped, and he looked, and he goes, oh, my God, I I used to deal with a carburetor. I used to, on the, the Bonneville salt flats, we did some work with a carburetor like that, and he just shook his head, you know. And, and so every time we came there, it was, you know, we would run into him sometimes, sometimes not. But at one point, Scott was working down there, and we needed something, and I we were trying to fine-tune this thing, and even more so than where it was at, and um, he came out. But what we were trying to do is actually we were trying to lower the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to put bigger nozzles in it to drop the pressure so it had just enough fuel to enter the plenum and not blow it through into the plenum. And... The theory was if we lowered the fuel pressure with bigger nozzles, right, maybe all have distribution. Okay, I yeah, I remember. And then Jim Kingsler came out and said, um, "Give me your stuff. Come back in three days." He said, "You guys, you don't have the research and development uh, budget." <laughs> he said that the big three have, and he said, um, "You'll never get the efficiency out of the engine." Um, come back in three days and I'll have something set up for you. So Scott did, and we ended up putting six nozzles in it and basically using the plenum as air and using the uh, carburetor as a throttle body. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute. EFI is huge in the entire world, but in tractor pulling, we can't have it. And actually, I'm going to I'm gonna extend this question to ask you about how things work on the turbo tractor in a minute. But for those who don't know and aren't familiar with it, you know, the EFI you're so used to, you put the parts on, 
and you just start turning tuning with a laptop changing your fuel tables to get whatever it is performance you want you can't do that within the tractor pulling world what is your tuning window first on the na piece and then you know actually when you when you add the whistle piece into it how does that change now why don't you elaborate on that na part scott so you got a main jet, which is the main, basically it's a pill. And as you increase, it, it's a pill that's returning fuel. It's a constant flow fuel system. So you're always, you're constantly returning fuel to the fuel system, or fuel to the fuel tank. And that's and that's RPM, pill, it's RPM driven, driven so off the crank, you, right? Yeah. With you, and if you increase the diameter of the pill you know you're bypassing more fuel to the tank and less fuel going to the nozzles and then obviously if you decrease it you know you're uh, you know putting more fuel to the nozzles and less fuel to the um, to the tank and um, then so then you you got a certain basically that's all tuned for torque because at peak torque you want the most amount of fuel so that main jet is all driven by that Above peak torque, you start bypassing fuel, and that's where the high speed comes into play. Because with friction in the motor, and you know, um, you know, the engine just you know at peak horsepower, which is above peak torque, um, you the engine doesn't require that appetite of fuel. So that's where the high speed comes in, and that is set at a certain pressure. Because that you know the constant flow fuel system is very you know, it's dumb. It's, you know, you got a certain amount of fuel pressure at a certain RPM. It's always consistent. Once you set the main jet is, <clears throat> you're always going to hit that. At a certain RPM, you're always going to hit that fuel pressure. <clears throat> so the high speed has got to pop it in it that, you know, is, you know, let's say at 5,200 RPM, you know, you're hitting 70 PSI. You know, that pop, it starts to pop pop off at 70, you know, 72 PSI, and that start bypassing fuel tank as well. So as you come up, creep up on horsepower, um, you know, the, the engine doesn't require that, you know, that amount of fuel plus the, the friction within the motor, especially with these big strokes engines we're running. Um, there's a lot of friction in the motor, and it just doesn't need that kind of fuel. Um, and so that's how you're... That's how you tune the uh, the natural aspirated constant flow. So, so you've got to you've got to cut out based on RPM, and you've got. Do, do you have variability in the fuel pump delivery based on RPM? It's it's more volume as RPMs go up, right? Correct. It's basically pressure driven. I mean, it's you've got a certain amount of pressure at a certain RPM. That's okay. The and then then what is the and the barrel valve itself is tied also in the throttle position. What is its participation in the regulation of this fuel going in? So the barrel valve is simply you know just regulating the amount of fuel at a throttle position. So, so it, it's regulating it primarily, and then you've got that pop off as a as a secondary cutout at higher RPM, right? Well, it's, it's, no, it's actually, because when you're wide open throttle, everything is, you know, you just, the pump pressure is same at the same at the nozzle that it, as it is at the um, inlet of the poppet. So it's, it's all the same. I mean, it, the barrel valve is simply is just a, uh, you know, it's connected to the throttle body, so you're not putting constant you're, you're not putting all that fuel to the engine at the nozzles 
you know, at idle. Gotcha. Um, and at wide open, it, it opens up. It's just, uh, it's on a cut on an eccentric, um, you know, that it just kind of regulates the feel um, that you can increase and decrease the feel. Because you've got a certain amount of leakage to stay at idle on the barrel valve. Let's say it's like 12%. So that you're going to see 12%, you know, uh, feel flow at an idle. <coughs> with the way the barrel valve set, um, where you can adjust that, you know, increase it or decrease it based on that. But you really got to think in the constant flow fuel system on natural aspirators, think of it as a wide open. Um, the barrel valve really isn't into play in tuning the engine. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's an important part, but it's not uh, really regulating or, you know, changing feel flow um, in the system. I follow you. Yeah. And on the, in there. Well, with the turbo, it, it it's basically the same thing for the exception of there's three pressure regulators actually um, on, on mine, Some based, which I have three, three injectors. And uh, so you basically got the same setup. There's one barrel valve, and, and it's all to do with, uh, with pressures and bypasses um, that activate the second set of injectors and, and eventually the third. Some are set up with only two, but then, of course, their nozzles are considerably bigger and so on and so forth. But, uh, so in your NA motors, it's just the one set of injectors that versus is, on the turbos, you've got a second and or a third. Yes. Okay. That is correct. And and the reason the reason and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this. You know I'm doing I'm doing this to enhance my understanding as well. Those second and third sets of injectors are reference to boost pressure, correct? Because it's not a linear delivery of air with a turbo versus like a supercharger where it's constant across the rev range. Um. Actually, no. It it, it really doesn't. You know, with boost pressure, there's nothing that actually, you know, regulates the the bypass. It, it and I've used that term before, but it it was really incorrect. It it's all about pressure and in in the bypass itself. Okay. Yeah. That's, it's a yeah. separate self-contained it thing. It is. And in getting back to what you said about EFI, um, as far as I know, it's not allowed at this time. In it's, any it's of not. the tractor pullings. But no. efficiency-wise, you know, I don't know. Someday it just may go to that. Um, if it does, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot. Of, yeah, it's going to be a, a big learning curve for a lot of people. Um, I'm curious about that, and maybe you can preliminarily address this concept. The turbos have become ubiquitous, and, and Scott, you know this because of your participation in the drag racing world. Turbo engines are huge in the door slammer world of drag racing. They're probably two or three to one versus the nitrous and the supercharger cars. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that EFI is permitted in that universe. But in the pulling world, we don't see the V8s with turbos really succeeding. And the guys always hang their hat on, well, it's because we're restricted to mechanical fuel injection. But somebody forgot to tell the super stock tractor guys that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The biggest, I think, efficiency with fuel injection and where we're really lacking is if we could tune a little bit more on is timing. I mean, God, if we could go and 
pull, you know, pulling ahead timing through whether it's boost on a turbo engine or it's that's where the drag I think the drag cars it's you're going to have so much it's the engine's going to have so much amount of feel whether it's a it's a hat through a tur through a carburetor or it's you know mechanical constant flow or it's EFI you've got a certain amount of feel that you need to deliver that engine and once you tune that whether however it's tuned timing is I think the biggest more more of a factor in helping engine efficiency than fuel flow. And speaking of between, the, go ahead, Scott. I, I was just going to add between the different uh, systems of fuel injection, carburetors. Yeah. Um, speaking of efficiencies, there's a a three-year study done by a I got to be careful because I don't know how much of this is actually public knowledge. Um, done by a existing American car company, a three-year study on on uh, regulating variable compression ratios, like well, cam timing, um, where it, it it's variable. Um, yeah, there was a yeah. guy a few while ago. I want to say they were. I think Audi was participating in that too. Didn't they have some sort of thing where the head would articulate just a little bit and vary the compression ratio? This was a three-year study, and and the effect of of high boost pressures versus lowering the compression ratio, and and what efficiencies as far as uh, horsepower, torque, as well as economy. Um, so that I think that may be something you're going to see down the road. God only knows how they're going to accomplish that. But. Something we're seeing in road cars, my mom's car has this, it's gas car, but it's direct injection like a diesel would be. How long before we see guys maybe in the pulling world on the spark ignition give up the port, port injection and go direct? Billet, I mean, you might probably have to be a billet cylinder head to make it work because you're going to need the two inputs, one for the injector, one for the spark plug, but is that around the corner at some level in pulling? Well, it, it's going to be around the corner, I think, before that. You know, when are you going to see billet heads? And really that's, and truly, and that's the piece, yeah, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the it's next. It's going to happen in open super stock before it happens anywhere else right. because of that, right? And and I don't know that that's a bad thing. I mean, if you're running alcohol and you're not running a water jacket, a three axis CNC mill can do a head for you, which and is really which is a ubiquitous machine in a yeah. lot of shops anymore. Well, and that's true, and 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 really, once you do one. And you've got a program set up for it. Let's face it: if you're taking a tractor, cast iron tractor head, and you're trying to get every ounce of CFM out of it, it's not uncommon to have five thousand dollars stuck in a cast iron head or I'm, more. I'm sure, especially with some of the tricks you guys got into. You know, well, it, I mean, by the time you know some of the things that we did, I mean, we they don't do it anymore because a head will. Blow blow up at a foundry um we had two heads that were actually sent to a foundry with the water jackets totally cleaned as much as they possibly could be and heated up to 1400 degrees and filled with cast iron now yeah. you could get in there and you could port you could do valve pockets you could who cares because there is no water jacket yeah that's but you can't get a foundry to do that <coughs> now because i think a couple heads did blow up we had one that was 
heat it to the point where we had to ream all the holes out because it started sagging, it started melting. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott and I, Scott's idea a long time ago was fill them with aluminum. And people would say, oh, my God, you can't do that. The heat and the contraction and expansion is a different rate. Guess what? Everybody's doing it today. Right. Well, and I guess, I, I mean, we've seen it happen in this world now with, with manifolds and some other stuff. How, how far how far down that road did you go? Did you consider finding a, a foundry to do actually recast heads? Well, <laughs> we didn't. Uh, you mean, prohibitive. Uh, you got to have deep pockets I, for that. We knew that. Yeah. Yeah. You get... the, all the casting boxes and all that stuff. We just yeah. We know a guy I who mean, got I, manifolds made, and yeah, he we went to China around, to do it because of that. I think we kicked around more doing a bill ahead than anything because of. You know, you could duplicate a lot of the castings with, you know, yeah. billet machining. Easier, a lot easier, and probably cheaper in the end. Yeah, and the struggle with the iron head is, well, so you do all that work, whether, I don't care, you know, if you fill it, obviously with a foundry, is <laughs> you, you've created a lot of fatigue, you've created a lot of, you know, now that you've changed the molecular structure of the iron, it's weak, you know, and so if you do crack it, you know, what do you, how do you repair it? You know, it's a lot tougher to repair. Oh, almost impossible. You know, where the aluminum has, I've, I've been, you know, over at Total Flow and Steve Sanchez, you know, down here in uh, Troy, you know, is, you know, got some, you know, pro stock heads or uh, and maybe it's even top fuel, you know, and they're just destroyed. And he welds them up and, you know, remachines them and recuts them on these, you know, these hemi heads. And, you know, it's, course you know with aluminum you can do that but iron man you're just once you destroy it it's that's it that's really it's yeah off and to the scrapper yeah <laughs> yeah and then also you look at you know these these guys who's the guys you don't see any young guys doing cast and repair anymore all these guys that are good are no. older and so at what it's point you know probably about 20 years from now you won't find anybody you know, knows how yeah that's so just it. Well, yeah, the other thing is, who the heck wants to work on a cast iron head? It's dirty. I mean, it's filthy. And, and the other thing is, you know, today, you know, the younger generation, they don't get into airflow. Basically, everything is designed on the computer and you make it, right? But, I mean, now taking a cast iron head and trying to get CFM out of it, that is, you know, I, I take an interest in that because... It just, it's one of those things that's necessary to gain efficiency out of a motor. But these old timers that have done that and worked with flow benches know what works. Um, you know, your, your short-term radius, your, your long-term radius, your valve pockets, and all of that combined to increase, you know, the CFM out of the head. They're, they're they're few and far between and if you do find one they sure to heck don't want to work on a cast iron head they'd no. sooner do it on an aluminum which you can't blame them no it makes sense yeah i i remember the story a few years ago and scott had mentioned steve sanchez and we respect him because he supports some <coughs> high name you know race teams and he's good at, at airflow and that type of thing and Steve told us, and he was one of the only people that were really, really up front with us. He said, you know, here's my deal, Ed. I got eight people working for me. I get some big budget money. 
come January, the support like three race teams, you know, top yeah. fuel. Yeah. And he says, well, he said, here's the deal. He said, Monday morning, he said, I get a dump truck load of aluminum heads that blew off top fuel cars. Yeah, he does. I know he does yep. service several nitro teams. So, yeah. By Tuesday, he said, I got a fixed pile and I got a scrap pile. It goes the other direction. By Thursday and Friday, I got 14 sets of heads that got to go in race trailers. And that's what I do. Now, if they have a good weekend, I might be able to work on your head. But normally speaking, not. Yeah. So I don't know when you get to your stuff, you know. And that's you know, and that's something I know. You guys have transitioning away from specific talk about the, the engine style and the design. You guys have decided to exit the engine building business because of frustration with machine shops and lead times for getting parts. However, we're seeing every day the cost of the machinery needed to create these parts go down, and more of these shops have more and better machining equipment did you ever see first or foresee maybe staying in the game and going and getting your own cnc secondhand auction what have you and, and maybe trying to do some of this stuff yourself i thought about it you know i think in myself just me you know there's an age factor and i scratch my head and wonder you know how, how much longer am i going to be able to do this stuff is, is there an interest yes um Ran across the guy. I'm not. I'm gonna throw a price out. I I've never talked to the guy. I've only heard it from two different directions. Who's taken five nine Cummings, converting them over to alcohol, building the manifolds. Um, you buy the engine, throw it in whatever color tractor you want for twenty one thousand dollars. And by the way, here's the dyno test sheet. I mean it. It it's a full. It it it's a full uh, package. Hmm. Um, and he's mass, uh, when I say mass producing them, that's all he does. So it's one after another. Now, I don't know how accurate that price is, but I, I had a couple people tell me that. And um, I think he's got a good gig going myself because it just seems like it's kind of endless. Yeah, there the seems to be. 5.9 Cummings is used in a lot of uh, limited light supers. That's and, where we're seeing a, a fair amount of them, yeah. And then I, I just, I don't know where this puts, you know, the green tractors, but um, if you think about it, the Cummings was used in just about everything but the green tractor, but I know one of the farms that I service with oil, they got a green tractor with a big Cummings in it. So does that open the door for a Cummings to be put in? Oh. I don't know. I don't even want to go there. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, put a, I'm gonna put a Zippo to my NTPA yeah, rule book yeah. some days. Okay. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any engine, any hood deal. Yeah, we need to move on on that. But <coughs> it's curious, you know, is that is that open the door for that? How so far can you stretch? Know. You know. Yeah, I I don't know. But to answer your question, you know, we still deal in cylinder heads. We we do 301 heads and we ship them all over the place. And basically, they're they're stock rebuilds, but we modernize those heads. We uh, we put stainless valves in them. We put a hardened uh, seat um, on the exhaust, uh, stainless valves, to accommodate today's 10% ethanol fuel. And then we use a, a bronze liner, you know, and a good quality valve. And we take all the sharp edges off it. We check it for cracks and so on and so forth. So we kind of modernize it for today's fuels. You we're always probably going to deal with that. And gotcha. I get calls anywhere from three, sometimes four or five calls a week. Yesterday I had a 
guy from Massachusetts, and it's all silver diamond, black diamond, uh, tractor head, you know, 301 stuff, and they all want a little more power and that type of thing. So That seems to be... I think that subject comes up about once every six weeks on pulloff.com. What's the 301 head I've got to have? Yeah, if you go to the <coughs> forum, it's still on the front page. I answered uh, basically, you know, I, I put something on there just so everybody knows. Because a lot of people think you can buy a silver diamond or black diamond, bolt it on the tractor, and you're going to get, you know, a better performance. Unless you're going to do modifications to those heads, you're not going to... It's not no. a bolt-on deal. No. It, they have the physical characteristics of, of of getting there, okay, more so than the slant valve tractor head, but you, they've got to be worked. So... It's there, but you got to you got to turn some keys to unlock it. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I wanted to kind of elaborate. I know we kind of made a turn there but um by all means go ahead you know, on the engine engine building and stuff you know is just you know and we've me and dan have talked about this many times you know there's there is a ton of ta- talent in metropolitan detroit area you know you can get about anything done um there's just you know so to do i'd rather do you know the design work and you know and we've got i've I, we've got specific engine build engine shops that do you know this guy's good at cylinder heads we got this guy that's good you know good at line boring um this guy is good at o-ringing and so we do there's a lot of guys that specialize and and in some cases then that's you know some of the things with that walker shot was this guy's good at this and i'm not taking it anywhere else um that actually that engine actually had a had a spun uh, number seven main bearing when we got the motor and you know they they must have just ran it so it was eating number seven um main was eaten up really bad and we um had actually had to have it saddled you know and you're putting all that torque and horsepower that's kind of an important bearing there was only one place you know that we trusted to do that saddle on we waited for it. I waited we waited six months for the block because they were good at what they did. Yeah. And, you know, we, we just got in line and waited because and it's yeah. like sorry, I'm not going anywhere else. Right. Right. And we told the customer that too. You yeah, know, we can have it done right. And and really the situation was he furnished a block, which it was hard to get a block and he furnished it and we knew number seven was spun and we made a billet cap for seven. And we thought we had enough material there. And it was borderline, you know, but borderline, we don't build borderline motors. No, because you guys yeah. stand behind the stuff that goes in trackers out there. Right. You do. So that borderline, it's like, this got to be saddled. I, and borderline just don't get it. Yeah. So, you know, like Scott said, we knew they were good, and we waited six months. But... And and really, we we told the customer we can do it, get it done right, or we can start over. Yeah. But starting over, you know, we already had various, you know, like lifter boards. I think we had that done. Uh, we may have had the cam tunnel board. I'm I'm not you sure. Already, you already machine work yeah. into this block, yeah. so it's yeah. like we we source another one and start that process all over with all these other individual right. pros in their respective category. Or we just continue to wait on this one that's already had the investment. 
Right. And some of the frustration, you know, and Scott hit it right. Metropolitan Detroit, you can get anything done. You just need to know where to look or who to talk to. And and that's good. But when you're a two-man operation, you're not a priority. And, and no. I'll give you an example of, of um, one of the top crank makers that's yes. in Metropolitan Detroit. And I, I don't think I'm stepping on anybody's toes saying Moldex. Um, no, they're a known name. Now, if I ordered ten cranks, I'd be a priority with them. Yeah, and, but if you ordered ten, and, yeah, ten. If your volume, yeah. they'll they'll do it. But you well, guys are a one off. We're one off. Number one, number two. Even if it was a popular <laughs> motor like a four hundred series international, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to have you know to put on the shelf. Yeah, we're yeah. not we're not big, and no. so we're and not a not, priority. And you're not in the in the line of building that particular engine block either to where. You know you've got, say, let's say you've got five five customers in line already, right? And you can put ten up on the shelf, knowing, hey, I'm going to sell these things sooner or later. Well, yeah, yeah. If you've got that kind of volume, if you know, I, right. there's some big tractor names out there that that build motors every day, and, and nothing against those guys. No, 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 nothing, not at yeah. all. I, I I get it, but if we're not a priority and we have to wait, uh, that Waukesha crank took a lot longer than what they promised and yeah. we've never promised the end result motor you know not taking consideration long lead items like yeah. crank billet cams that type yeah. of thing and that and that goes back to my point earlier where you know it's we're talking 20 guys on the planet with tractors like this and they're not all 301 internationals they're not all waukesha's it's everything there's molines there's internationals there's olivers there's ford you name it so every pretty much every tractor, quite honestly, is close to a one-off, if not a one of two, maybe three at best. Right. Right. Oh, you're absolutely right. Well, I think we've beat to death the uh, the yeah. engine piece, and uh, we're getting we're getting on in our evening. So I want to turn it over to our fun piece for both uh, both you, Ed, and Scott, your heroes and legends, uh, the people you guys have looked up to over time. Uh, Scott, you go ahead and go first. So I, I guess you know looking at the go fast class because that's kind of what brought us into the into this motorsport you know the is you know uh, morris stein was probably you know you know with his 656 and it was always you know super clean and you know he always he was always there you know top notch you know he was a top notch competitor he was you know always brought you know whatever whatever that tractor had to the table and it you know he that's probably my you know uh you know, hero or, you know, somebody that I looked up to, you know, when I was growing up and when we, you know, started to get into the sport, you know, that tractor, it was just, you know, meticulous. It was a clean, well put together and it was, you know, just a great performer and very consistent. And also, you know, he, he, him and Sheila both, um, you know, uh, you know, knew, knew how to read tracks and understood, you know, if there was a left side or right side to take, you know they would be, you know they would be taking it if there was an advantage. So that was uh, kind of my inspiration in the sport. Fair enough, and Ed. I I agree. I I think I've said it before. I think it was Morris Stein um, in more ways than one. Um, he was a class act. Uh, him and Sheila. Um, they introduced us pulling over in southwest Ontario, which 
you know, ended for Scott and I for about 19 years. We pulled over there, um, you know, and, and that was really when we began over there and, and they were pulling as well. If you had 150 horse in the light class, you were competitive. Well, guess what? It's about six or 700. And, and that's kind of where we outgrew the N.A. tractor, the, the Holland Harvester. Um, we ran with those guys. We were the only tractor over there without a turbocharger, and we, we competed with them. Um, we, were, we weren't always first, but we weren't last either. Um, you know, sometimes we had our, our day in the winter circle, and some days we were second or third, but we were, we were always up there. Which I think was pretty pretty impressive, but um, you know, again, Morris and Sheila were over there, you know, in their early years, and they really kind of set the pace. Um, I'd have to say them. Yep. I was lucky enough to know to know Morris there at the end of the end of his pulling career when he was at, well, actually when he was running Johnny Griggs was running the V8 Hot Rod and and he drove the M that he and Johnny had built together. And uh, I forget who it was who related this story, but I think you guys have probably heard this before. Morris was asked, and exactly what you said, perfect gentleman, pleasant to, pleasant to speak with. Um, he was asked, you know, hey, you know so much about polling. You really should sit down and write a book about this. When are you going to write a book about this, Morris? Tell, you know, share your wealth of knowledge. And Morris would get that smile that he would have, and he would just say, those boys will figure it out. They'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well you had to observe morris he he wouldn't um he wouldn't expound on a, on a no, whole lot no no but he sure knew no he knew oh yeah 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 well i want to thank both of you guys for coming on um uh, ed actually you are our very first guest uh, when we started this whole crazy thing, so yeah. Yeah. nice to n- nice to add to the repeat roster, and we hope we'll have you on here uh, a whole bunch more in the coming years. And Scott, thanks for taking some time out of your night tonight and, and sharing it with us too. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Well, it kills me. Every question I was going to ask, they went right into. So <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, you just got to sit back and listen. When god i'm glad we got to cover this episode this is definitely one on the list of uh i really want to make sure we got covered so definitely was uh really good really good to hear out there finally happy to bring it to you guys for those people who don't understand that there is a world outside of turbochargers i tell you what i'll make it my personal mission over the next uh, four or five days we are going to flood sidetracks facebook page with videos of the kind of equipment we're talking about and i'm going to take you all the way back to the go fast days because i've got that stuff <laughs> Uh-oh. that was one of the first tractors i started out with was an old go fast yep i've got footage of i got footage of you guys going back at least to 1995 or six. Oh, good so, i didn't have gray hair then <laughs> yeah uh, fuel injection will do that to you <laughs> yeah i guess yeah so we'll uh we'll take a quick break here uh sidetrack with armstead and posh on the pulling radio network and uh, when we come back we'll wrap things up for tonight's program hey fans jeremy krieger here to talk to you about truck and tractor pulling from a fan's point of view One of the foremost publications on Facebook that's all about pulling 24-7. Truck and tractor pulling from a fan's point of view. Brought to you by Jamie Darbro. 
one of the biggest pulling fans on the planet. Check out his page at www.facebook.com forward slash truck tractor pulling from a fan's point of view. You'll be glad you did. And tell him Jeremy Krieger sent you. And we're back to wrap things up on Sidetrack with Arms and Posh on the Pulling Radio Network, episode two of the Hookers and Blow mini series. Special thanks to Ed and Scott Schubridge from the now defunct ENS Motorsports. Not quite. They are still uh, heavily involved with uh, the 301 stuff, as you heard them talk about. Some Pico dealers, of course, and uh, all around good guys and been pretty good advisors to us uh, through the years, too, and very open with they're pulling operation and sharing things with us that uh, actually we we didn't talk about on this program and probably can never talk about. But yeah. you'll have that on the big jobs, as Drew would say. But uh, thanks yeah, to them, thanks to them too, though, for indulging yours and, and mine as well. Our curiosity when it comes to this motorsport and, and giving us an inside line on on some pretty cool stuff that's gone on uh, throughout the years of stuff that's rolled out of their shop and some of the top flight uh, equipment that they have. Uh, been involved in and building so thanks to those guys for spending time with us you will hear their, their voices on this show again in the future i'm quite sure all right my hiccups are under control we're good to go again maybe i need more beer no you don't no i don't <laughs> hey it's my birthday what well, better way yeah to spend no a yeah you get a freebie this this day doesn't count drinking beer talk to a guy about putting on another poll yes smith's correct so pretty cool there Oh, the, the change of venue. Um, it's just up the road from the family farm, so not uh, at gotcha. Not at American Legion Post five twenty five, but uh, just got it right this week. Good throw, job, excellent. I've got Thumbs it up. memorized now. <laughs> but uh, no, another due north, uh, a defunct sand pit going to be. Well, we might as well give a quick teaser about it. We talked about it on the show before. We didn't have anybody. Um, we talked about how there's the TS show and Fleece does theirs and Shy does their show and that there was nothing highlighting Michigan diesel truck builders. No, I mean Derek Rose does his 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 Dino Day. Dino Day, that, that's it. But it's not you don't it's not like ultimate call out call out challenge that's going on where you call out the builders specifically. Yeah, no. And uh well we got a guy organizing an event. For the Michigan builders. For the Michigan builders. Yeah. Um, as of right now, we did open it up to all diesel pullers who want to come out and pull and dyno and dirt drags. So we'll give you more on that. It's uh, developing story. Literally two miles north of the family farm for me, and uh, yeah. St. Clair County for the rest of you who don't yes. have a flying clue where that what that means. And uh, it could be a very deadly event for me to go to though. It'll be June twenty fifth. Yeah, well, I won't be there already. And part of the reason I'm probably going to get in trouble for being there. Yeah. Your kind of, sort of, future, whatever you want to call her, sister-in-law, whatever. Her, spawn, spawn, her wedding spawn reception's that day. She's, she's ginger, spawn-in-law? Yes, yeah, spawn-in-law. And that's also my five-year wedding anniversary. Oh. I was, about ready to, I was about ready to jump in there with, like, this ultra-apologetic, uh, I love you, Michelle, everything will be fine. Never mind. You know, he, he covered it. We're good with that. <laughs> but, no, it'll be an awesome event we're working on getting going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been a good birthday. Drank a lot of beer. We ate pizza. And we got to talk N.A. Motors, which I didn't drink any we beer. love. No, you didn't. Bourbon. You bourbon. I kind of think I'm going to do this going forward now. I, I'm maybe swearing off the Budweiser. 
end with that. Dave, play, Dave, his, play his clip. Dave damn Fultz it. and Eric, play Eric his clip, damn it. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Which now is attached <laughs> to you because you're drinking beer instead of whiskey. Oh, I'll go heads up with you with vodka. Go ahead. Whatever, that pond water. <laughs> Russian potato squeeze, whatever. <laughs> Germans aren't known for their whiskeys. <laughs> no, but us Scottish people are. Anyway, so with that... I'm surrounded by idiots. Says the guy who's had more bathtub gin. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, thank you, Ed, for coming on. Hey, you're welcome. Great Thanks for way, having us. Great way to celebrate my birthday, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Talking tractor pulling, it's awesome. So as always, tune in, 8 o'clock, Thursday nights, right after Throwsback Thursdays, with the Godfather, Eric Pruitt. He's on at 7. We're at 8 o'clock. What a better way to end out this pulling uh, radio network week than was sidetracked. And as always, tune into SoundCloud. You can hear every episode that is put on uh, Pulling Radio Network. Or you want a sneak preview and you want easier access, sidetrackpulling.com. Every episode we've ever done is on there. And you can get a sneak peek at the episodes every before single they hit. Don't forget, we're Pulling also radio on network. iTunes. Yes. yes, we are on iTunes. Oh. Yes. And also, you're a Pulling Radio Network fan. You want an easier way to go on the website, go to your iTunes store or go to the Google Apps Play Store. Download the Pulling Radio Network app. Definitely a lot fun, a lot easier way to uh, keep track of, uh, at least that guy out in Utah, because he's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I like that Kenny guy. He's a character. Anybody who can uh, have his name shortened and it becomes Keg, all right in our book. <laughs> and uh, next week, uh, Dave Foltz back live. Maybe. Possibly. Then there's that Rain Adams show. They want to be like sidetracked. And um, Jamie Dawson, always. Or Jesse, Jesse Dawson. Dawson. And uh, Jamie, James Phillips. Jamie Phillips. So make sure you listen to them, uh, the Kentucky uh, Pulling News. And uh, the Hot Rod Mini Show. And Swap Shop on weekends. Yes, Swap Shop every weekend at 10, 12, and 2, if I remember right. Sure. I think it's every two hours. So all your pulling <coughs> cards, great Swap Shop, kind of like a PR, well, PNR, or whatever it is, pub, or NPR type uh, Swap Shop. So uh, stay tuned as always. My name's Armstead. My name is Posh, has two O's. Oh, and thank you, Nick Meyer, Life Media, as always. Always glad to be here. You don't have a choice. He does. But we wouldn't like the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we're done. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, yeah, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Get out my trailer. I want you out.